had HKD and like you well, were sure were um you were transparent on Twitter about about the loss you took. Um yeah. so so what are some takeaways? Okay, so with this podcast, at least we can use it to this advantage. We can document this um this trade of yours, this historic yeah. trade, because like that was a historic trade. That's like an HK, that's like a DRYS all over again, in a yeah, way. Man. You know, and yeah. once in a in a in a decade kind of thing, you know. Uh so so yeah, you wanna introduce it and let's let's go through it while it's fresh in your head. Sure. Um, I mean it was it was just a very black swan event. Um, and I guess there were a lot of warning signs that um, you know, might have led one to be prepared for this. But basically what I was thinking was it would do something, you know, similar to what some of these other IPOs have done in the past. So I was looking at historic examples like WNW, that's a good example ticker, or Elfin. Um, both of those went on some pretty insane runs, but both of those topped out like in the, you know, kind of mid 100 area. So like, I think WNW topped out at like 160 and Elfin might've been like, it might've gone like five to 150 in like a couple of days. So I, I was kind of in my head, I had that number like around the, you know, 150, 160, 170 area. I was thinking, all right, you know, that's, that's already so ridiculously insane. So if I take small size, you know, at that area and I'm willing to have a wide risk, I feel like there's a decent win percentage on that because the number of stocks that go, you know, from 10 bucks to 150 in a couple of days is ridiculously small already. But the ones that, you know, go and then keep going and keep there, they just, they don't exist. So I was willing to, you know, have a wider stop to not miss out on the downside. And I think that was, my biggest error uh, in this particular one, just because it didn't trade like a normal runner. And if you study the previous examples and then you traded this one, it was very obvious because most of the um, most of these crazy runners, what they do is they, you know, they kind of grind up and they, you know, maybe have some short traps where they entice some shorts in. They look like they're going to die. They're already up, you know, 500 percent or something, but then they end up getting saved and they grind back up and then they go fully parabolic and you get halt, 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 like five up halts in a row. When it finally turns, you get the down halt and then it gaps down like, I don't know, like 50% plus off the down halt. I think Elfin was like a 70% gap down. You get a nice bounce off of that. So you can dip by that and it kind of goes like this and then it fades off. So that's what I was expecting. You know, you get that on all sorts of these parabolic runners where you get just up halt, up halt, up halt. And then once it cracks, the first down halt, huge gap down, and it never comes back, and it never breaks those levels. Gotcha. Okay, so so you mentioned WNW and Elfin, and uh, I know there's been a few before that. These like China um, IPO scams, basically that that do this kind of behavior. Now, mm -hmm. did you WNW? Do you look to trade these intraday or possibly swing them? So I never took stuff like that before. Um, and that was, I guess that's also another issue, you know, thinking back, uh, I never intended to swing trade stuff like this in the past, because it's always very obvious, um, where you should be taking your entry. Like the goal was always to take the entry on the parabolic move and then cover on, you know, on the huge gap down, go long, ride it, and then short the bounce and maybe swing the bounce short, but risk those highs from the parabolic. Um, in this case, it was just, I don't know. It was just different. It never went fully parabolic. It just kind of grinded. It was yeah. just like an uptrend that yeah. went from, you know, 12 bucks to 485 bucks. <laughs> I mean, so, 
a few things there. So, like, I noticed recently, I don't know if WNW was like this, but, like, I've monitored the fee rates, the borrow fee rates on IB. Uh, I don't trade with IB much, but I've monitored the fee rates there because Guardian and Cobra will use them as a market price to uh, put their borrow rates. And uh, it w- it just was insane. It got up to like 500%. So like that indicated to me that there was a lot of, uh, it was jammed and like something was going on with it. And I don't know if the ones in the past from like a year or two ago, like WNW, maybe you can, maybe you know, uh, how were the fee rates for swinging those, were those easier to trade? Like now all of a sudden it's jammed up. There's too many people shorting this. I'm not sure. That would be a question for someone, you know, who's been around shorting for years and years and years. I don't know. You know, if maybe Gertani would know that or Eric would or, or people like that. But gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So um, because okay, because recently, like um HKD was a Cayman Island IPO, and these Cayman Island IPOs have been like this this the weirdest ones. Do you do you keep track of like where they come from or like or, or like because uh, TNON, JCSE, all these um cayman island ipos do you group them like that look to trade them like yeah for me um i think that's an important part of it and i know some of the other guests you've had on here like ali and and stuff like that they they go into that in a little more detail so I, i would say they know more about that than i do but for me the biggest thing that i look for in terms of potential um is just who the underwriter is because if you look at the underwriters there's very specific ones that have a history of doing sketchy IPOs that will make these ridiculous moves. And you can see that, you know, before they even IPO. So, you know, if, if there's a sketchy underwriter who's done, you know, five different scam IPOs in the past, and they're doing another IPO that's connected to China and is based out of the Cayman Islands. And, you know, it has a, a low float that is IPOing at a, at a low price and you get a low volume print on the open and then it goes high. Like, you know, those have the potential to just go absolutely insane. Um, but most of the ones we've seen are going, you know, from, I don't know, they're a $5 IPO and they go up to like 50 bucks and then they die, which is why this one was like kind of so black swan. Yeah. And recently they've been saving them. So like it, it like flushes out and then you think that's the end. Cause like, it's going to, you, you know, it's, it's like going to go, go to five bucks, <laughs> but then they bring it back up and it seems like that's where they catch the shorts, you know? Yep. You know what I mean? And then they, they, and then now it's, it's at almost 500 bucks. <laughs> then, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Like, like, uh, yesterday, HKD, it looked like, okay, two at, at around 300, it, 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 it flushed and then it consolidated. It looked like that was the end. And then it consolidated. Then it squeezed up some more. Then it flushed. So it's like trapping. It's so tricky to trade. And now it's at 500 bucks. And then the thing is, like, where is the SEC? So are you thinking when you're trading this? Or you, you are you just like, like where is the SEC? Why aren't they stepping in? This is insane. Like how is this? It, it's got to be on everybody's radar, you know. Uh, I mean, if you look at the top gainers, everybody's looking at the top gainers from from the guy that's trading at Robinhood to the guy at, uh, at the hedge fund, the, the hedge fund manager of Citadel. Everybody's watching this now. So where where? <laughs> so like, what's going through your mind in that situation? Like, you know, have you seen the movie? Um. Betting on zero by any chance? Yeah, I actually just watched that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Bill Ackman, he's shorting um Herbalife, and he's yeah. like, "Where is the SEC? Is there a god?" <laughs> I know, think it's, it's it's super tricky because, and I don't want to get into any conspiracy theories here, but when you're involving sums of money that are that large, and people who are this powerful, 
I just, I feel like it's not that difficult for someone to have an inside connection and, uh, you know, kind of let it go on longer than it should. Cause I mean, you think about it, most people have a price, you know, if, if some dude, I mean, it, it traded what, like almost either above or just below like $400 million volume yesterday. And that was with like ridiculously low liquidity. So you think about the type of money that's involved with this. Like, I think most people, if offered like $50 million or whatever to like, just let this keep running and keep it on the low, low, you know what I'm saying? I feel like most people would probably accept that. Um, And I think most people have a price. So I don't know if, if that comes down to it. Um, if that has anything to do with it, but I feel like there's definitely some, some bribery involved. And I think that is something that happens a lot on these pumps, you know, not, not just these listed pumps, but also on OTC pumps. Um, and it's just crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, did you see on guardian, they, they made it unmarginable, you know, and Gar- you know, uh, and that was really weird. I've never seen that before. Um, like you couldn't use any leverage to short it. Not that I, I don't use really leverage anyway, but like I, that was a red flag. Um, they put out a notification. Yeah, I saw but- that. But, um, you know, yeah, to go more into the conspiracy side, it's like, okay, these brokers that are, by the way, this is a lot of buy-ins happening that's causing this. That's what's causing my theory. The grind up is all the buy-ins little by little to these brokers. And then like someone's telling me that the brokers are probably in cahoots with the the underwriter and the underwriters in cahoots with China, uh, some guy in in the Macau Islands uh, in China, and uh, the brokers are buying it at a low key buying it before the squeeze because they're going to start buying it in it's a shit show so um it's just yeah <laughs> it's man, insane it's, it's crazy it's insane so so um with that these these IPOs like i've noticed with your stats like you have your a lot of your trades on on uh profit lead that are verified there with the your cobra account i know you have all the other accounts but your cobra one is all it verifies everything with the check marks and everything um and I've noticed, like you've, from what I've seen, you you've traded these the best out of anyone, maybe except Michael Good. Michael Good has his verified on Kimfo. A lot of these uh, IPO dumps. And mm-hmm. um, were you always attracted to the volatility of these, like uh, like going short only? Like, okay, you know the end game, and you're just like, you know, because these are very scary to trade. Like, you know, so how did you go about that? How did you like get attracted to these? Well, this is one of the one of the setups. I guess it's the only setup that I've ever taken the time to dive into the stats behind the setup. And that's what attracted me to them so much. So I know there's a question you ask people a lot, like whether you know, you're know a discretionary trader versus a systematic trader. And uh, I am an extremely, extremely discretionary trader. Like I never cared about stats or anything. You know, I, I guess the first multi six figures I made, which was back, you know, during the, the super hot run in, in, uh, in 2021, when the whole OTC market exploded, like all of that was just strictly based on level two time and sales and all that stuff. I bought when I thought I should buy based on a dip or based on a breakout. And I would just sell, you know, when I thought I should no system whatsoever, obviously in a market like that, it's easier, but you know, that continued even when everything crashed, um, you know, through the end of, of 2021. And I think, I finally took the time to uh, to learn this setup after I just saw some of the ridiculous moves. And I also started to learn how to short in, I think, April of 2021. And it didn't become a huge part of my trading until later on. So the first one of these setups that I ever traded was JWEL. And that was on January 4th, 2022, um, the very first trading day of the year. 
And uh, I was prepared for that setup because I had gone and studied all the previous ones that had happened. And, you know, you go and you look at all the different stats, like, you know, once on the dump day, you know, how high do they go from the, from, from the open? How low do they crash from the opening price? How long does it take to do that? And when you put all those numbers together, you figure out that there's an absolutely insane edge in trading this particular strategy. So when I saw that, I was like, all right, you know, these are the types of trades where I need to be going in large and having conviction to hold for a bigger move. Because in the past, literally, I had risked break even on like every single one of my trades. So like I would buy and if it went down at all, I would just immediately cut stuff like that. Or if I shorted and it went up a little bit, I would just immediately cut, which is why I never had big losses in the past. But that also prevented me from having enormous winners um, because I was so scared that something would come back that I would cover or sell for like a 10% gain because I was scared of it coming back. When when you have the edge on your side, you really should be going for a home run because you know when all the cards are in your favor, I think Lance Breitstein talks about this a lot. Like When you have pocket aces, that's when you want to bet big. And um, that whole concept of exponentially increasing your betting size on you know, as your setup gets better and better is something that I never did before. But I think that was probably the biggest change in my trading. And that's something that I really brought to fruition on these setups. So when you see the volume there and all the signs that it's going to dump, you know, for me, it's worth going in with big size. 